Hey NAI football fans, we are back with another episode of the NAI F-Ball Podcast. I'm Corey Thorpe with my co-host John Cooper, and we have a very special guest for you today. Uh, he has got a bunch of records to his name out of Georgetown College, uh, and he is Chris Hogan. He is a national champion winner in 1991, and uh, still ranks uh, number two at Georgetown College all-time in tackles for loss and sacks, as well as number five in total tackles. We are jacked up to have him on. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, I am fantastic, you guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, we are, we're honored to have you on. So um, I want to start out a little bit just, just talking about your, your career at Georgetown. Um, now, um, you played under uh, Coach Donnelly, and we had uh, Coach on a couple weeks ago, and, and that was a, a fun interview as well. Um, but just tell us your, your best Coach Donnelly story, whether that's uh, your time at Georgetown playing or coaching under him at uh, California. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Kevin Donnelly is an absolute class act. And, you know, he and the coaching staff were the reason that I ended up at Georgetown College to begin with. Um, I was recruited by some bigger schools, larger schools, and had done some visits. But, you know, coming over to visit Georgetown, it just felt like home. And that was because of Coach Donnelly's approach. You know, he was interested in not just the athletic side, but also the, 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 the academic side. He was trying to build young men, well-rounded young men. And he is just one of those people. I mean, obviously, I played with him for four years, which was fantastic. Had an opportunity to win a national championship under his guidance. But so much so, I also was able to, uh, you know, begin my coaching career and pursuit of my master's degree with him as well. And so this was a relationship that was deeper than just a coach. Uh, coach Donnelly was like a father figure and is still to this day a quality human being. Chris, that's awesome to hear from Coach, especially uh, since we spoke to him and hear a lot of the same characteristics that you just said there. Um, I want to talk about when, strictly when you were a student athlete, can you tell me what your life was during the season? What was the daily routine of, you know, the linebacker that has – this and this class, this and this meeting, games, practices. What was your daily life like back then? Well, I mean, back then, you know, in my eyes, I would have told you I was super busy. Uh, you know, Georgetown prides itself on, on academic excellence. And so, you know, the classwork was rigorous. And, you know, being able to, to focus and doing the things that we needed to do um, in and out of the classroom. But then also you had this, this part-time job of football, as I call it, where we were training and practices and film study and, you know, really preparing for the games. And so, you know, I'm grateful for, for that background and that experience. You know, I was 17 years old when I stepped foot on Georgetown's campus. And so, you know, as a young man being around upperclassmen, you know, people really took me under their wing to be able to guide me and to help me to really start to structure my life in the, in the way that I needed to, to be able to be, you know, a productive member of the team there. Now, you are a Kentucky boy yourself, so, you know, you didn't have to, you know, even leave the state to go to Georgetown. Um, That's right. But, um, so tell us what it was like um, winning that national championship. Now, the way I understand it is in, in at least up to 91, that game was actually played in Georgetown. Tell us what it was like winning the Natty in front of your home crowd. Yeah, it was 
it, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I grew up and, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy. And so, you know, being able to be close to my mom and my uncles and my grandparents, you know, I lived in Woodford County, which was only about 30 minutes away. And so to be able to go to school that close, I was able to get back home and bring friends home to eat real food. Nothing wrong with Georgetown food, but there's a difference with home cooking. And so, but to be able to play that game uh, on our home field in front of family and friends uh, was a, a, a memory I will never forget. Uh, December 21st, 1991, and uh, it was an incredible time, an incredible memory, and just an absolute honor to be a part of that team. Coach, or, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we've been speaking to coaches so much. Um, I want you to talk about maybe um, maybe rivalries you remember at Georgetown College. You had, you know – in today's NAI, it's exploding with brand new teams. You have Lindsey Wilson now, Columbia, Kentucky coming up. What was the main rival uh, for Georgetown back then? Well, I can tell you, you know, being a part of the Mid-South Conference, um, every conference game was a rivalry. Um, I can remember playing, you know, Cumberland, uh, playing Campbellsville, uh, Union. You know, these schools, it was a battle. And I think everyone you know, uh, either played with someone that was on their, those teams or knew there was some kind of connection. And so, you know, every one of those games was a battle, and it was a matter of pride. And, and so you always got everyone's best in each of those games. Uh, moving into the playoffs, you know, we always would battle with Westminster out of Pennsylvania um, and, you know, a few other schools. And so, you know, the, the, the brand of football was, was fantastic. Uh, you know, people battled hard out on the field, but there were also class acts off of the field. And so it was a great opportunity, and I, I made a lot of great memories. So I, I don't know how much um, how much you still keep up with the NAI. I'm sure you still keep up with Georgetown and, and possibly even St. Francis, where, where Coach Donnelly is. How has is, how is the NAI and even college football in general changed since you um, still put on the helmet? Well, I can tell you this, you know, I try to get back and catch homecoming and, and uh, as much as I can with my schedule nowadays. I'm traveling a lot in the fall as well. But, you know, going back there uh, uh, this past year, I had an opportunity to speak to the team uh, last year uh, before the homecoming game, which was an absolute honor to be able to be in the locker room and speak to the team and have my two oldest sons in there with me uh, was an incredible memory as well. Uh, these guys are bigger. You know, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger uh, than way back in my day. And so, you know, to see this level of athleticism and, and the level of, of competition uh, in the NAIA, it, it makes me feel good uh, to see that it's growing and you've got new teams that are joining. Uh, you've got, you know, high caliber of coaches uh, that are involved uh, in, in that division as well. So I, I'm excited for where it's going. Chris, now here's where we're going to change a little direction we know that you have expertise in the football area. You wouldn't be in the record books if not. But let's go where your career is now, which is in the financial area. Um, you know, in NAIA, it's very tricky sometimes for players. Um, we talk about three different tiers. You know, you have tier one, you know, we really want you. Your scholarship's going to be up. Tier two, you're a tweener. Solid scholarship, you're going to pay a little bit back. But some kids get caught in a tier three category of, you know, a limited amount of scholarship, you're coming on late. Um, and I have a feeling where you're going to go with this, but what's your advice for the kid 
that somehow finds its way in a lot of student loans when they're done with college? Well, I think, you know, the, the student loan issue right now is a crisis. I mean, in America today, we've got right around uh, a little over $1 trillion in student loan debt. That's trillion with a T. So that's a massive amount of money. And I, I think, you know, for young people as they are making their college decision, I think it's really important to understand the economics of it. You know, it's easy to get caught up and, and choose a school based on location or personal preference, but I, I would factor in another part, and that's the financial aspect, where they need guidance, and, you know, from high school guidance counselors to someone in their family to be able to walk with them to help them understand what the scholarship money looks like, the grants, what's available to them, so they're able to make a, an informed decision, not just a decision based on a sport or a class. Uh, and I've seen people that have come out of school with a lot of student loan debt, and it takes them years to be able to attack it. So for anyone that's in that situation, I want you to know you're not, you're not stuck there. Uh, I'm meeting young people and not so young people that are attacking student loan debt, and they're able to stay focused, but you have to keep lifestyle in check, and you got to have a plan. And that plan is similar to what you would have in football, where you go into a game with a game plan. On offense, you know the plays you're going to run. On defense, you know the plays your opponents are going to run, so you have a plan. I think people need to have a plan for their money, just like they would in this sport. Absolutely. Now, let's say I'm, I'm a, an NAI player. Um, and I'm hearing this and I'm, and, and I'm going, well, where, where do I, where do I start? I'm on a, I'm on a partial scholarship. Um, you know, I don't want to leave. I love my program. I, right. I love my, I love my coach. Where do, where do I start? Well, I think first and foremost, you'd want to start by going over to the financial aid office, um, and really talking with them about scholarships that are available at that school. You see, there are many different programs you can do. There are work-study components that you can do while working on campus. Uh, there are things that you can do uh, and as far as applying for scholarships. A lot of people, don't they, they only think they're only eligible for an athletic scholarship, but there are other academic scholarships and things that are available to you. So talking to the people at the financial aid office, having a conversation with your coaches, just don't try to go with this alone. Uh, talk to people that have knowledge that you don't have. And so it's real hard for somebody to help someone if they don't know there's a need. So have a conversation, talk with people, get some guidance, and figure out your options of what can be done. Chris, I want to capitalize on what you just said and just reiterate it. Um, we have a bunch of young high school uh, kids listening to this podcast that actually have a lot of schools on their mind in our league. And just to reiterate Guys, there is plenty of opportunities, and I love what Chris you just said with work study opportunities. You know, in the off season of January, February, John Cooper worked a little bit of maintenance at Faulkner to have some spending money, so he's not uh, taking money he doesn't own. So, thank you so much for that answer. Now, um, let's go with post graduation. Um, now, you mentioned that you followed Coach Donley right afterwards, and you got your master's. And I think it's great because a lot of people have been taking on that role. Um, would you recommend, you know, becoming a GA or assistant coach for free right after college, maybe just to go get that master's if it's provided for you? Well, I think anytime you have that opportunity to pursue higher education without taking on student loan debt, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. And so for the young men and, and young women that are out there as well, the opportunity for a grad assistantship is a, is a, is a big deal. 
I was fortunate because I was hired on as a full-time assistant coach. Uh, but the opportunity for graduate assistantships uh, in, in football, basketball, all kinds of sports are available out there. And it is a matter of networking. You know, which really brings me to an area where I think it's really important for us to be aware of some things. You know, as you're out there competing on the field of battle, uh, you want to make sure that you conduct yourself appropriately uh, because, you know, you may be battling against a school that's not, you know, that, that's across town from you or across the state, but you may be able to have a relationship to plug in there because of a relationship with a coach. So I want to encourage young people to, to think of networking on a bigger scale. It's important to plug in to the school where you're attending and getting to know the trustees that are there or the alumni that are plugged into that school. Those alumni functions can be crucial for your career. But it's amazing. When you establish a good relationship, you are now connected to the person, you know, the person you connected with. If you treat that relationship well, you become connected to now their connections. So it's a ripple effect that I really want to encourage young people to foster those relationships and treat people the right way. Now, Chris, we would definitely be loath if we didn't talk about um, some of your your accolades in in this area as as well. You are a New York Times bestselling author for your book, um, their uh, Retire Inspired. Man, I blanked there for a second. Retire Inspired. I've even read the book too, man, and I still blanked. Um, That's all right. And uh, you've got a new book out now, Everyday Millionaires. That's the one that was coming to my mind first, because that's the one that's actually on my nightstand that I'm reading. Um, but can millennials and and these Gen Z um, guys that are getting into college, can they really become millionaires, Chris? Well, I can tell you this. You know, when we when I started that project a couple years ago, we released Everyday Millionaires: How Ordinary People Built Extraordinary Wealth, and how you can too. We released that in January 2019. I started on that project uh, two years prior, and that was my goal. I wanted to find out what do millionaires look like? What do they do? And so we did the largest study of millionaires that's ever been done. We talked to over 10,000 of them from all across the country to find out the truth. And I wanted to know, are these millionaires trust fund babies? You know, did they just have things handed to them? Or were these regular, everyday, hardworking people that were focused? And the reality is, in all the research, we found that these millionaires were regular, everyday people. So I want people to know the American dream is not only alive, it's available. What we have to do is make choices. And so do I believe millennials can and Gen Zs can become millionaires? Absolutely, I do. I think it's about us making choices, being informed, making smart money decisions now, but also learning the value of investing. And that's getting plugged into your 401k or your 403b as soon as you have that opportunity and not pulling that money out. Leave it alone. Your money has two best friends, time and compound interest. So the money you invest, I want you to leave it alone, let it grow, and you can get there too. Chris, I, I absolutely love that answer. And that's uh, a lot of people don't even realize just how much a reality is. And I, th- I think the virtue that you know, a lot of people are missing is definitely patience here, especially when, you know, you're saying leave, leave it alone, leave your investment alone. Um, you know, right after college, you know, right after you get the most high education you can, Chris, what is the one piece of advice you would give these postgraduates at this point? Wow. Well, right after graduation, what I would say is understand a couple of things. The job or career you start off in, probably is not going to be the one you finish in. 
And so I want people to just be aware that you're gaining experience, you're gaining knowledge, uh, treat people that you're working with in that first job with respect. Uh, they become a great foundational piece for you and your career. Again, going back to the importance of relationships, you know, how you treat them and what you learn in that first job or first couple of jobs will be absolutely vital and an important foundational piece to your, your, you and your career. So treat people with respect. Uh, look to serve your clients to the best of your ability. And, you know, just be focused on serving people as best you can. Just to kind of illustrate that point, Chris, um, you, you worked in, uh, in the banking industry before you started working for Dave Ramsey. Um, and, and getting on board in, on this retire-inspired train. But um, just to kind of illustrate your point, what did you want to be when you were at Georgetown again? <laughs> well, I had known pretty much since about middle school that I was very interested in, in a career with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So I wanted to be an FBI agent, and I had made that decision in seventh or eighth grade. And so, you know, attending Georgetown and pursuing my degree and going on to get my master's, those were all things that kept me on that career path. That was my area of focus. Uh, but, you know, once I was in grad school and, and nearing completion, I mentored with a, an agent and really got a chance to learn more about the lifestyle, about their requirements. Uh, and so, you know, it wasn't the path I ended up taking, but that was the, it was the power of having this goal, this thing that I wanted to achieve. And it's kind of funny because one of the things I wanted to do was to protect and serve. Well, in reality, I'm doing that to this day. I'm trying to protect people's financial futures by serving them with information that they can use to apply in their lives right now. So in essence, I'm still protecting and serving. It's just on the financial front. Yep, ex exactly. So um, I know John kind of was lighting, was nodding his head along when, <laughs> when you said that, that your first yeah. job is, is not... Um, is is not what uh, you might be doing for the rest of rest of your life there. Now, just to sort of wrap this up, um, let's say that that these players want to hear some more. They want to that we've piqued their interest, um, and they want some more information about you, about financial peace, uh, about achieving financial freedom. Um, where do they go? How do they how do they get more? Well, I can tell you, you can connect with me and uh, all things related to me by going to my website, chrishogan360.com. That's chrishogan360.com. You can get connected with me on social, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all those things from right there. Awesome. Good deal. And you have a weekly podcast, uh, the, the Chris Hogan Show, where you go more in-depth on this. I do. I actually, I will take callers. Uh, you can connect with you know the show from my website as well, or just iTunes or anywhere that podcasts are available, and get connected with it as well. I have a lot of fun on there. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I've, I'm a I'm a longtime listener myself, so uh, you know, I'd, hearing you talk about uh, your college days, I definitely wanted to uh, get you on here, John. Do you have any right. any further questions, Chris? My uh, last. Go ahead. It's been an honor to be with you guys. Thank you for having me. Chris, it's it's awesome just to hear from, just to let our listeners know that, hey, this is a guy that played in the same league as you. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners are actually kids from Georgetown. Uh, our inbox is filled with kids that play NAIA ball in Kentucky, mainly asking for graphic design favors that we do for free because <laughs> we love to serve the kids. But – 
you know, this is going to relate to them so well. Chris, I have only one more question, and, I, and it's more of <laughs> just me, just personal question. You know, I have you on the line. Why not? I want to know, uh, you know, if you're talking to these kids, what is your advice about multiple streams of income? You kind of already hinted about it with your 403B and your 401K. You know, I know that's future income down the line. But what do you say about multiple streams of income for the postgraduate right out of the box? Well, I think, you know, anytime, you know, income is, is a powerful tool. Um, it's our wealth building tool. It allows us to take care of ourselves and our families. Uh, but I, I just want people to, to be aware of it. You know, and understand there's 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 no such thing as a as an easy dollar, right? Anything you earn comes from, from hard work and sacrifice. But anytime you can have multiple streams of income or revenue coming in from something you've developed or something you've built or something that you're serving, uh, that's a great opportunity. But remember this: you have to remain in control of your income. You you need to own your money. Don't let it own you. That means you're doing something that you believe in. You're helping people, and you also have a plan for the money that you're making. If you don't have a plan for your money, someone else will. So be intentional, be focused, and dream big. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the the, the show. It was it was an absolute honor to speak with you, and uh, I hope uh, you know uh, more of the the guys in the NAI will will hear this and know that they too can be financially independent and find financial peace. Well, thank you guys. It was a pleasure to be with you and I look forward to joining you again. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris.